When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Door Report is back. You are listening live to another episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Before we kick off episode 31, we now send it over to Jackson Tolk for his weekly edition of Tolk's Trivia. It is now tr- time for some trivia with Will Byram and Jackson Tolk here on The Door Report presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Will Byram is here, still waiting on Jackson to hop in. Uh, Will, today's trivia is 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 hopefully going to be a little bit better than last week's. We went uh, absolutely over on that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jackson really stumped us last week. So I'm really hoping we're going to get some redemption here, me and you. Uh, yeah. Ho- hopefully at least have an educated guess this time around. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can hope for uh, <laughs> now. We do have Jackson in for Tolk's Trivia. Jackson, fire away. All right. On November 18th, 1978, this Vanderbilt football oh, student-athlete rushed his way into the record books <laughs> by rushing for 321 yards and five on just 22 carries the question is who is this legendary commodore okay was the year 1978 yes 1978 we got another throwback i'll have to get some more uh questions that are a little more recent but this <laughs> yeah, one is we 1978 gotta head back to the 2000s <laughs> come on jackson <laughs> all right i'm i have, you guys have a guess? I said jamie winborn last time as my guess I, I know another running back, Jamie O'Rourke. I know a couple of Jamies. Those are the only two uh, running backs even close to the 70, 1978. I'm going to go. Can you say the stat line one more time, actually, Jackson? Yeah. he. Um, so on November 18th, 1978, this Commodore rushed for 321 yards and five touchdowns on 22 carries. An incredible incredible stat line all right i gotta stick with jamie winborn he's he's the <laughs> i mean i, I i'm just gonna go with it there you go yeah i'm well I'm you got one want, i'm gonna once again not make myself sound <laughs> ignorant and plead the fifth and you can, oh, just, you can just go ahead and read read that answer let's all hear right. it the answer is frank mordica oh okay he, he ended his with 2,632 yards, and he played from 1976 to 79. And then a fun fact, the second best single-game rushing record, do you guys know who that was held by? From 2018, so that might be oh, we got, a little more we got, helpful. Uh, what, what year, 2018? If it's 2018, it's it's got to be. It's Ralph Vaughn. Le- it's got to be Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. 
Webb was 13 yep. 17. Vaughn yeah. was 18 19. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a Keyshawn Vaughn play uh, next time. <laughs> That'll be a lot easier. We both know Frank Mordica, though. We know that name. So. Yeah, I believe we, we, he's on the, 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 what do they call it? The Commodore Hall of Fame. They have the pictures walking around the stadium. Yeah. 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 That, I've definitely walked past that, uh, that yeah. sign up there. Should, should take I, more note and study up if we're allowed in stadium for, uh, Tulk's yeah. trivia. Yeah. Well, you better be in there and, and, and hit me back up with that, with that report there. Cause, cause running backs are not old running backs, not my forte. No. <laughs> well, there you have it. Tulk's trivia. Frank Mordica. What a stat line. There in 1978 from Jackson Tolk. Uh, Jackson, repeat that stat line one more time for the for the Vandy fans. Jackson has actually dropped off. Oh, he has dropped. So it was. He said it was goodbye. Three, yeah, 321 <laughs> yards on 22 carries and five touchdowns. Wow. Against, and it was against Air Force in 1978, just to add a little bit of information there. Yeah, just to add that. So Jackson said peace out after he kept after he stumped us again. Uh, so. so. <laughs> Thanks a lot to Jackson there. Always good fare for Tolks Trivia every other weekend uh, on on a Sunday night. Will, thanks a lot. That, there you have it for Tolks Trivia here on The Door Report. Welcome back into another episode of The Door Report. It is episode 33, Sunday, August 30th. I'm reporting live here in Naples, Florida. My co-host, Will Byram, is back up in Nashville, Tennessee, in the Music City. We are always presented by... Alaco Hardwood Flooring, no matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day, and you can get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com, or you can email Jimmy Alaco, the founder. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They're located right up there in Nashville, where my co-host Will is in Tennessee. 615-356-0303 is the number. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Let's go, Will. This is episode 33. We're back in better than ever with another episode. I, as I mentioned, reporting here live from Naples, Florida, week two of college. You're back up there in Nashville. Will, with the football season another week closer, how, uh, how much harder has it been to, 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 to watch, you know, look, look at your TV without football? I know we had some last night with Austin P, but I mean, it, it's got to get here. Yeah, it's it's inching closer and closer and closer, and I think I watched more high school football on ESPN. They were doing yeah. a high school football kickoff than than I ever imagined I would, because you know, just just absolutely chomping at the bit to, yeah. to have some football on that television screen. No doubt, it, it's it's really the best time of year, and and hopefully we can we can get back to that with experiencing the you know the fall air and with football you know on our TV as well. Speaking of football season, four weeks away from Vanderbilt and Texas A and M. Vanderbilt 28 and a half point underdogs in that one. We will talk with former Vanderbilt baseball and basketball player and longtime Nashville native Willie Donick, who now serves as the Nashville Predators play-by-play broadcaster on Fox Sports Southeast. Locally there in Nashville, we will preview the Commodores 2020 football season and also look ahead to year two under Coach Stackhouse. So it's always exciting to talk to Willie Donick, a guy that has been involved with the Vanderbilt program for a while. And, uh, you know, he's been in Nashville for a long time as well. So he knows the in and outs of, of the area and the Vanderbilt program. Well, before we get to the breaking news, don't forget to Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is also available on four different platforms, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. It's now time to send it over to Will for the breaking news. As always, the breaking news is presented by the Recycling Dudes. 
you may ask. Who are the recycling dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in Westmead, the recycling dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, let's get after the breaking news uh, from this past week. Vanderbilt junior linebacker Dimitri Moore has opted back into the 2020 season after initially opting out over COVID-19 concerns at the beginning of preseason practice. And, and Will, this is huge for the Commodore defense. He is the team's leading tackle, tackler. He, he'll probably be playing on Sundays you know, in the next couple of years. He's a, a nice NFL draft prospect, a Butkus Award candidate. I mean, his return is is essentially meaning that Vanderbilt, you know, they're going to they're going to continue to bring back all 11 defensive starters. Uh, Adam Sparks in the Tennessee and had a tremendous piece and uh, more on Instagram. Will had had some some profound words to say about uh, his grandfather's passing. And, and that definitely went into it, I would say. Yeah, it, it kind of went into, you, you know, like I said, I, we didn't come on bashing the guys. Um, we, we just kind of said, you know, yeah. we wanted them to look into the data for themselves, make those decisions. Obviously, none of us had any idea uh, about the, the situation with his grandfather, but he did exactly um, what I had mentioned because we kind of ran through some numbers. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. Um, and, and he kind of dug into the data, consulted medical professionals, I'm sure, and 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 re-examine that decision he made. So it's really good to see him do that and make the decision for himself, which is what these student athletes should be able to do. It should be their decision. So it, it is good to see that. I I was a little bit hopeful that that decision by him being a leader on that defense may lead to seeing some of those offensive linemen possibly uh-huh. hop back in. Uh, but that Hopefully. May have, that that thinking may have been too wishful. So at least we'll have him, uh, and and it can't be overstated. It seems the one thing that the Commodores have uh, traditionally in the past that leads to a successful defensive season has been a linebacker leading that That defense. Yep, whether it's Zach Cunningham, we go back to Jonathan Goff, Oren Burks playing Uh for the Packers now, Cunningham for the Texans, of course. So having that staple at that linebacker position leading the team seems to be the key for the Commodores to have have success on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, we talked with Adam about it last week, you know, kind of mentioning that 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 head that, you know, lone wolf, that top dog there on defense. And, and this year it's Dimitri Moore. You know, he he, he earned his keep and, and he, he's he's going to be Coach Mason's guy there defensively. And will obviously practice was pot was put on pause since last Friday, but they got back after it this week. Uh, after multiple players tested positive for COVID-19. So Dimitri, he technically only missed four practices. So, uh, and with, you know, we're still four weeks away. So, um, you know, it's been tough for, for uh, probably a lot of the players, you know, you know, they're looking forward to game time, but they still gotta, they, they still need to develop and, and, and get these practices in with, with, and, and form some chemistry with their guys. So, you know, right now, we're still looking at uh, Oren Milstein, offensive lineman Cole Clemens, Bryce Bailey, and Jonathan Stewart all opting out. So, you know, hopefully we can uh, – hopefully, uh, you know, Dimitri Moore opting back in might send some of those guys back in here. Uh, but, again, he had – check out his Instagram. Will, I know you – you know, you, you're a big proponent of, of, what, of what, you know, he's been doing, obviously opted out, and, you know, we, nothing against him opting out. But the fact that he has opted in – means that he loves football and and not doubting the fact that he didn't already love football but you know as a team for the Commodores he said in quote we're responsible for our actions 
and hold each other accountable within our environment. He said he has full trust and confidence in Vanderbilt's testing abilities and safety protocols. And we even have a source with us here, the door report, not going to mention the name, but you know, they've been telling us that the protocols are very serious within the Vanderbilt facility and they're taking this very serious being a private school will, you know, I'm not surprised that they're taking this a little bit more seriously than probably some of the other SEC schools. Yeah, it's 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 good to hear that. Um, just just kind of switching back to the actual football side, it, it you know, with them having paused the activity, something that we really haven't talked about yet when when speaking of the difficulties of the SEC football season, um, the schedule that the Commodores have coming up. But another big thing is you have new coordinators on each side of the ball. So every single practice that that this team misses may be even more key than some of these other schools that have returning coordinators. They're more familiar with the system. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, as much as an advantage as that may be that teams won't know exactly what to be looking for because there's no film with these new coordinators, um, it, it also is a disadvantage with these unique circumstances, getting, getting in sync, even though, especially on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of experience returning. Yeah, and as we're four weeks away, so you know a little bit more chemistry there on the defensive side, led by Dimitri Moore, is is hopeful. You know, heading into the season, so we we shall see what kind of a defense is led there by Dimitri Moore. Switching over to basketball, the Pelicans' head coaching candidates include Jerry Stackhouse. It's probably you know not the best news to hear for if you're a Vanderbilt fan, but you know the from thebirdrights.com, it's SB Nation uh, Pelicans uh, connection there. They said Stackhouse might be the best, most optimal fit for Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and the rest of the core there. They said, in quote, a search has begun to fill what David Griffin coins the most attractive job in the NBA. Uh, they, they wrote a, a part four of their spotlight series with, with Jerry Stackhouse. And obviously, Will, this is, uh, you know, obviously not great news for, for Vanderbilt fans, but we've heard a lot of this. You know, we've heard a lot of this before he even took the job at Vanderbilt, and we've heard rumblings, you know, ever since he, he, he got the job. Uh, from your point of view, Will, this, what, what kind of, uh, of, of, of a serious, on a, on a scale of seriousness, how, how concerned should Commodore, Commodore fans be about this? On a scale of one to five, I, I would really actually put it at a four, um, four, 4. Mm. 4.5, maybe even a five. Uh, Stackhouse from the beginning, his coaching style, it seemed like he always wanted to be an NBA guy. Um, and due to his relationship with Malcolm Turner, who is no longer there, uh, he chose to pursue the college level, college route. So and, and came to Vanderbilt. Now with Malcolm Turner gone, there you know there's not a ton tying Stackhouse to Vanderbilt really. Um, what, uh, what? So it's it's going. Nothing. Yeah. So I know he's got his guys in there that he recruited in there, and I and I know he has has put in time with that program. But it will be interesting to see what he says about it, because I'm sure there's going to be some statements uh -huh. made, a lot more articles written as this uh, as the NBA season closes, closes up and the and they get out of the bubble in there and all this starts to become a lot more than rumors and it starts to yeah. become legitimized. So I would definitely say it, it is a pretty big concern for Commodore fans. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm just seeing that, you know, on Twitter, it, it was definitely a concern. And and I, like I've heard a limit. It, it's, it seems like it's starting to build up, too. It seems like it's starting to gain a little bit more steam around, you know, not only Twitter, but a lot of these websites and a lot of these guys and writers that are close with these, you know, these these franchises and especially with the Pelicans, you know, they, they, they've listed all these reasons. And, and the concern is is should be high. You know, I mean, it's. We're not saying we're not saying Jerry Stackhouse is leaving after this year or even after next year. But, you know, he's an NBA guy. He's a developmental coach. 
You know, I mean, look back with him at the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and and even Norman Powell. They they were huge pieces of of uh, you know the the success to to him winning the G League championship there. And then you know Pascal Siakam's arguably the best player now on the Raptors. So you know his, his developmental, I guess, acumen has has been huge in the NBA circles. And 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 for me, Will, this season is is he, he's focused on Vanderbilt. You know, in talking to him. But again, his eyes are, are always, you know, going to be, you know, leaning a little bit towards the NBA because he's an NBA guy. Yeah, and and Willie Donick, who who will be playing the interview with um, after mm-hmm. this breaking news segment, did have a really good quote talking about that. Some people yeah. that he had spoken with said that he they were very surprised that he took the Vanderbilt job because if he would have stayed in the same position he was in, um, he would probably be on the path to an NBA head coaching job, which a lot of people assumed is what he wanted. And and now you're really looking at it and looking at that Pelicans job, which, you know, David, David Griffin, the, the uh, executive vice president did state yeah. that he believed it is one of the, it is the most desirable coaching job. And, and I don't know if I would go that far, but when you look at the young pieces they have with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, it, it's hard. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great position for any head coach and, and really desirable because a lot of times when new head coaches are taking over those positions, they're taking over a, a cupboard that's pretty bare and that's yeah. not really the case in New Orleans. So it would be one of those things that it, it is a concern. Obviously, we want him to stay at Vanderbilt, but it would be hard to hold any ill will against him if he did seriously consider or take that job. Yeah, and we'll see how, how it continues to play out. Obviously, rumors are rumors, uh, but, you know, it's starting to get a little bit more serious. You know, this was uh, a, 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 an editorial piece from Chris Connor, who has, has worked with the birdrights.com, the Pelicans affiliate of SB Nation for a long time. And, and you know, he's well respected in the business. So, again, we'll, we'll continue to monitor this situation. And, and hopefully, you know, Jerry Stackhouse will, you know, soon come out with a statement or something to say, you know, he's committed to the program. And, and that's what we want to hear and, and just sort of declare you know, and confirm his commitment to Vanderbilt because right now he is, you know, he's a Vanderbilt coach. And, and, uh, but again, that doesn't mean the concern uh, for him potentially leaving isn't there any, anyway. So again, we'll, we'll, we will continue to monitor that. Uh, one more question here before we get to the Willie Donick interview for you, Will. Um, with the NBA's boycott, do you have any concerns over the possibility of the same thing occurring during the college football season? And if, if, if so, what, what could that look like potentially with the football season? It, you've seen some things pushed. Um, I believe it was the Pac-12 that, that wanted to form mm-hmm. the player union. Um, it, it is a little bit of a concern. The, the NBA's boycott, um, I, I wouldn't call it a boycott um, because a boycott is traditionally, you know, you're trying to not punish a business but, but create change through, yeah. but, you know, financially hurting a business. Well, the NBA players have a 50-50 revenue split. So, they're hurting themselves just as much as they are. And, and so a boycott may not be the right word, but with the college football players, especially um, yeah, on, at mean, schools like Vanderbilt that have been extremely vocal over these, uh, over these, uh, I'm losing the word, but um, the, the, social causes, COVID. social causes. Yeah. So I could definitely see something along those lines, whether it's widespread or, or one individual team having concerns over COVID social justice uh-huh. issues. So, that that concern on the scale of one to five, I would put that at a two, but I could see yeah. it become a growing concern 
um, across college football that there could be something along those lines. Yeah, and I agree. I like I agree that because a lot of the football players are similar to NBA players. The athletes are athletes, and and they have you know they have their opinions on on, a, on every social justice issue that's out there. So you know, in terms of of a potential college football season happening, you know, right now it's going to happen. You know, four weeks away from Vanderbilt A and M. You know, three weeks away from you know I think another. You know, we had one last night. You know, who, who knows? I think the schedules. You know, a lot of some of the schedules are even still up in the air. So, you know, with with the potential season of of a boycott and and surrounding the social justice issues, you know, we'll have to see the concerns. I'm going to put them at a two. You know, we talked about Stackhouse; those concerns being a little bit higher. You know, we we we're 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 very confident that football season uh, will happen here, and uh, hopefully, no boycotts. So, yeah, uh, you know, the NBA's back, and uh, you know, hopefully, college football will continue to be back here. Four weeks away, Vanderbilt and A and M. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk to Willie Donick. He is the uh, current play-by-play broadcaster for the Nashville Predators. He was a dual-sport athlete on West End for Vanderbilt baseball and foot and uh, basketball. So we're going to have a fun conversation here coming up with Willie Donick of the Nashville Predators. Stay tuned. Willie Donick, a dual-sport athlete at Vanderbilt, uh, formerly in his career. He played baseball uh, for the Commodores, playing in 70 games on the hardwood as well for the doors inside Memorial Gym. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in 1993 and then stepped into the beginning of a long and successful career in sports broadcasting. He is the current play-by-play announcer for the Nashville Predators on Fox Sports Southeast on your television there locally in Nashville. Willie Donick is now here with us. Willie, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. We've been looking forward to having you on. Obviously, you know, being a former Vanderbilt athlete, we're always, uh, you know, very excited to talk to some former athletes and kind of compare, you know, generations and kind of how the, how the culture has changed. So this this conversation is going to span, you know, from from when you played all the way up to, you know, currently here with with uh, the state of Vanderbilt athletics. I want to start uh, first, Willie. You know, I remember listening to you and George Plaster on the Sports Zone on uh, on 104.5 The Zone during middle school, and those are definitely some of my fondest childhood memories of, you know, just being a sports fan growing up in Nashville and and the presence that you and George had as a duo, you know, in Nashville with the the sports talk radio landscape definitely left, you know, a huge legacy. So I want to ask you in your mind, how much do you think sports talk radio in Nashville has changed since then? I think it's changed. Uh, The number one thing that is different now, there's so many different ways for people to get their sports fixed for lack of a better term. You know, you want conversation about sports you can get as specific as you want uh, with podcasts these days. There's satellite radio. There's all kinds of different ways uh, that you can set your dial. You know, apps and everything. Back when we were in our heyday, I would say, number one, we had really the only game in town. And number two, radio was such a, a bigger, bigger part of the landscape. Uh, so that's what's changed a lot. I still think the, the quality that you get uh, – can vary a lot of you still try to put great material out there and and people will listen but uh it's it's an interesting evolution not only with the the business itself but also our city right our city has grown a ton uh over time so it's been fun to sort of be a part of it from the ground up as you kind of said uh, when i first started doing sports talk we did not have the titans or the predators so i i got on board at the time uh and it's it's really taken off from there 
Yeah, so we mentioned earlier you're currently the television play-by-play commentator for the Nashville Predators, So, and you were a former uh, baseball and basketball player. So was hockey something that you were always a fan of, or, or kind of like it seems like the rest of Nashville, did you fall in love with it uh, more recently um, with the rise in popularity of the Predators here locally especially? I had uh, an interest growing up uh, in, in hockey. I lived in New York, so it was there in front of me that, that the Islanders and the Rangers were really good. Uh, in fact, the Islanders won four straight Stanley Cups uh, when I was growing up in New York. Mm. And that was all around the time the Miracle on Ice was going on mm. in 1980. Uh, I never played hockey. My dad was an athletic director, and so I tried all the sports. But hockey was the one sport I didn't really play on ice. We played floor hockey a lot at our rec center. Yeah. So fast forward, uh, when the team came here, I had a little bit of that background, which put me ahead of just about every other media person in Nashville, but I was way, way behind the curve as far as what the standard needed to be uh, to be part of a broadcast team. So I was really thankful that Pete Weber and Terry Chris were kind of my teachers. So I, I just tried to listen to them as intently as I could, ask them a lot of questions, and, and really learn the game. I figured if I could stay ahead of the average fan in Nashville, we could all kind of learn it together. Willie, obviously we are, you know, four weeks away from Vanderbilt's first game against Texas A&M in College Station. And, and for Vanderbilt football fans heading into this season, uh, a 10-game SEC schedule looks pretty daunting at, at this point, you know, with a lot of <laughs> really tough road games as well. The doors are half-point underdogs against the Aggies. Willie, we're, you know, being four weeks away, still a lot to learn with the quarterback position as well as, as you know, some of the even, – even some more of the opt-outs who saw Dimitri Moore decided to opt back in. But, Willie, from your point of view, what what are some expectations there for week one and then moving on throughout this season for the Commodores under Coach Mason? I think, you know, I think you have to be honest about it. The expectations have to be pretty low for the entire season. Uh, they've got a lot of questions to answer. They've got a lot of challenges, as everybody does, uh, with the, the, the pandemic situation. How do you maneuver through all that? They've already had some struggles. I would imagine before it's all over, probably every school in the league is going to have one challenge or another. And I apologize for my dog's going crazy. <laughs> He's ready to go. But, um, you know, I think, I think let's, I mean, they're, they're any, they have to surprise a lot of people to have a really good season, especially considering every single game is going to be a conference game. You know, every team in the league. It's going to sit there and say, well, we have to beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is the team we can't let up against. Yeah. So maybe it will surprise a couple of people. It's, sometimes it's kind of fun to have no expectations. And, you know, with a new offense, new coordinator, you know, maybe they can have the element of surprise working in their advantage. Your dog must be a Vandy fan, Willie. It looks like, sounded like he was <laughs> mad at, at, at you talking about the low expectations. Yeah, they're pretty diehard. You know, they, they want to see the board win for sure. <laughs> I want to go here next, Willie. Um, you know, we kind of talked on it there, the current state of the program under Coach Mason, you know, and in terms of what, you know, he's going into his seventh year, obviously he's taking them to a couple bowl games. Uh, but what do you think about the potential of him eventually getting Vanderbilt back to bowl contention? And in your mind, what has to happen? You know, what has to happen this year and then even in the next couple of years, considering, you know, he, he does keep his job? It's, it's so hard to say. He was, he was under a lot of pressure last year, as we all know. Uh, I think the thing that is the best attribute that he has is he's a, an extremely classy, likable guy. And I think that buys you a little extra time. Uh, he, he's a guy that is extremely accessible. 
loves talking about the program. I think his players sincerely respect him as a person. He really wants to see his players move on to good things in life, whether that's on the football field or off the football field. I think he truly cares about that, and I think those are huge attributes. But as we know, there becomes a time where if you slip to a certain point and it's not competitive, then you start to feel the heat as a coach. I think he's getting to that point. Um, so this year is so different. I, I think the question will be, what does it look like? Can they get, let's, let's say hypothetically that you get all the way through the season. Then I think uh, you have, you know, how, how does your evaluation include what happens this year with the whole COVID-19 and dealing with that? Does, does he get an extra period of time because of that? I don't know, but I, I just think when, when you're a quality person and you work as hard as you can, you get a little extra time to try to work through it. But there's no question they're, they're in a tough spot right now because they flip to the point where you know, it's not competitive. There's going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be issues in terms of interest in the program and what you need to do to be successful. Yeah, so switching gears a little bit to the basketball program, we've kind of been hearing some rumors of Stackhouse and the Pelicans possibly having mutual interest in him filling the open head coaching position vacated by Alvin Gentry. Um, Have you had any interaction with Stackhouse since he took over the head coaching position a year ago? I have. Uh, We've had him on our radio show a couple of times, uh, and I've had a couple of discussions uh, I was not on the 1993 SEC championship team, which is, in my mind, the greatest Vanderbilt team of all time. I'm biased. That that was my senior year in college. That year, I only played baseball. But those were all the guys that I played with. Um, and they, they had a fantastic season. Well, this past season, uh, the, the school honored that group. There was a big reunion. Uh you know, to bring all those guys back to town. So there was a function. I got a chance to come in sort of after. It was the Predators actually had a game that night, so I came in late. I got a chance to talk to Coach Stackhouse a little bit. Uh, I just, I think the more I've watched with him, the more, I, the more impressed I've gotten. I, I was, I was wondering. You just mentioned he was going to be a candidate for an NBA job. Uh, I think in time, had he stayed in the position he was with the Grizzlies. In fact, I. I asked a couple of people I knew around the Grizzlies. They were surprised he was interested in, on the college front. They didn't know that he was really looking there. They, they thought all along, they made the assumption he wanted to become an NBA head coach. So it doesn't surprise me that there's probably interest on in him because the more I've learned about him, the more I really like what he's about. I didn't know if he'd be able to adapt to the college atmosphere. But I think under the circumstances last year, he got about as much out of that group as he could have hoped for. No doubt. And you're exactly right. And in terms of a little bit going a little bit deeper into the Vanderbilt basketball program, Willie, you know, you are part of, you know, a, a tremendous program there as well. I know you mentioned you didn't play your senior year, but, you know, just being a part of that there in Memorial Gym and many Vanderbilt fans want to get back to that. You know, they haven't really felt that the, the true feel of a Memorial Magic Saturday night, you know, against a Tennessee or a Kentucky or a Florida. And, you know, there's still the, the atmosphere is still it's it's not going to die down, you know, completely. They, they had some decent atmospheres last year. But for Stackhouse in this program, what are what do you think his steps are, uh, you know, with the next couple years of getting this team back to that and back to the NCAA tournament and returning Memorial Magic back to Nashville? In the short term, you know, the, the atmosphere is going to be 
compromised probably in some way for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious about the creativity that some colleges might use to be able to carry out the season this year. So let's put this season uh, on, on the side and, and kind of talk about what you're getting at is, you know, when I first got to Nashville, and this was pre-Predators, pre-Titans, Vanderbilt basketball during the winter was the number one sporting event you could go to on the Nashville sports scene. And I'm talking about even the non-conference game in December mm-hmm. against, you know, let's just pick a game that maybe I did well against University of New Hampshire. My only <laughs> 70 games at the Commodore, I started one, and that was it. But that, that we probably had 13,000 people at, at that game. Now, if you've got four or 5,000 to – a game against a mid-major, you're, you're, you know, that's probably about average. So it has dwindled for a couple reasons. Number one, right now they're in a little down cycle. But number two, there's so many other things to do in our city. So it's two things. It's having success on the court. And it's also being creative with your marketing plan, with your outreach, to try to compete for, for some of those fans that have, you know, got choices. You know, you got Belmont and Lipscomb that are now Division One. They both got nice venues. You got the Predators who play all these games. You know what, what kind of uh, creativity that they use to to fill their building. So there's a lot going on in our city. And so Vanderbilt's got to compete for it. But I, the one thing they've got going for them that I think will always be true is that venue to me mm. is still top ten venues in, in college basketball. There, there's still very little that compares with that when it's right when you've got a great crowd there it's a fantastic place to take in a sporting event i love it i i really love it it's so tight and and the fans you know they're, they're banging on the floor as hard as possible students as well and the benches it just it, it has to be scary for another team going in there saying who hasn't been in there a lot of coaches talk about it you know they hate playing there for for stackhouse there in memorial you mentioned him you know not being um, you know, not being interested in, 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 in an NBA job. And maybe he was interested in an NBA job, but he was less interested, you know, in going there. And then he decided to come to Vanderbilt. For him, uh, Willie, at Immemorial Gym, what, what kind of, a, of an interest do you – why do you think he had so much of an interest in Vanderbilt being in Nashville as an NBA guy? You know, what do you think – you know, I know you talked for a little bit. What do you think that reason was? Clearly, the uh, relationship he had with Malcolm Mm-hmm. was important. I think had it not been for Malcolm Turner, I don't think Jerry Stackhouse would have been interested. I, I feel like somewhere in there, I don't know all the details and I haven't really gotten the story, but it really does seem that Malcolm Turner had identified Jerry Stackhouse as a guy that he thought was a dynamic special coach and he saw an opportunity and he said, "Let's. this is the guy I want to try to run this program. So now Michael, Malcolm Turner's gone. Jerry Stackhouse has been here a year. Uh, he's had a chance to maybe take a look and see, you know, how do I build a program? Uh, I think he, what little I follow of recruiting, and my, my 15-year-old son follows it a lot more than I do, <laughs> I think he's getting into the game a little bit more. I think he's learning how do you get the right players to Vanderbilt. And that, that ultimately will be the question. If he sticks it out for four or five years, obviously you have to identify what works for you. Yeah, at Vanderbilt. I think he's done a tremendous job of the players that he inherited. Uh, I think all of those players, to a person, developed a lot from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So I think that that was something we heard about Gary Stackhouse to start with. He's very good at developing players. I think he proved that in the first year. But you, you can't just have 
lower level players that you get some out of. You got to have some of those forces mm-hmm. that you can. And it doesn't take that many, but if you can get two or three really top line guys mm-hmm. and good role players around that fit what you're trying to do, that's when you can have a really good team. Speaking of developing players, Willie, Tim Corbin obviously has been doing that for a long, long time, you know, on West End there at Hawkins Field. And, and right now, obviously, just really it was tough to not, not see them have a season. And, and obviously the expectations they had with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter and that pitching staff. I mean, my goodness. And, but the two will be back. They'll be back, you know, uh, the upcoming season. So for baseball right now, Willie, and Tim Corbin, how, how do you think he has gone about this situation with the, the coronavirus, you know, getting recruits in and, 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 you know, just getting time in with his guys and, and him being available for so long? How do you think he has approached this? And then leading into the season, what, may, what kind of steps might he take? A couple of things come to mind. Number one, uh, the recruiting is to a point now where, you know, he's a dynamic recruiter. But the other thing that he has going for him is the players seek him out. The players know about Vanderbilt's program. The top players in the country, yeah. they're going to explore Vanderbilt. They're going to take a look at what's happening. And all he's got to do, they, they know that they know how many great players have come through there. So it's getting easier to recruit. So I, the COVID thing, has certainly affected the recruiting. No, none of the coaches have been able to watch players firsthand all year long, or all summer long, I should say. But I, I don't know that that hurts Vanderbilt at all, because I think when push comes to shove, the top players that he's had his eye on, they're going to have interest in Vanderbilt. He'll get some good players. The other thing that comes to mind for me is he's such an amazing thinker in terms of detail. He's thought through this process. He knows what the challenges are. And he is already, I'm sure, mapped it out. What do we do if we can't play much in the fall? How do I still engage my players? How do I get value? How do I develop the guys as, as people, as baseball players, with the challenges? I mean, he, he loves challenges like that. Nobody would choose to have this challenge, but it's this is the challenge in front. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he, he, uh, he gets through this part. I, I don't know what will happen in the fall. Probably not a whole lot of fall baseball. Uh, in terms of, you know, getting much done out on the field, we'll see. But uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hoping that by the time the spring rolls around again, we're talking about a full slate of spring sports with, you know, baseball and everything else. Speaking of Andy boys, you know, they got a ton in the pros right now. They've looked, you know, last year they started heating up a lot with Walker Bueller and guys like that. And now you got Mike Yastrzemski, Tony Kemp. I mean, Yastrzemski has had an insane year thus far. Uh, You know, from your point of view, Willie, I know you keep up with those guys. What do you think that means for Tim Corbin, and, and, and what do you think that means for the program, for, for recruits? And, you know, look at baseball a little bit differently than the basketball and football, but still, you know, these high school players are looking at that saying, there they go, there's another Vandy boy. I watch a lot of the, uh, the broadcasts. I, I'm a baseball nut, so I, so I get the extra innings package. I like listening to other broadcasts. Mm-hmm. I flip around a lot. And like, like you said, I like following the guys that we watch play here for three, sometimes four years. And it's become it's really interesting how the announcers for every team, yeah. when somebody's coming up, they know the guy played at Vanderbilt. And there's very few schools that I think have that kind of recognition now mm-hmm. at the major league level. And so that sells the program. It just continues to exponentially grow because more and more guys every year seem to get up there. You know, even even secondary guys like a guy like Sam Selman, who mm-hmm. wasn't a superstar player while he was here, he was a good player. And it's taken him a while to get there. He's not a superstar at the big leagues, but he's just another guy. So there's more and more players 
and there's star players, there's mid, mid-level players, and then there's other guys just fighting their way to get in there. But it seems like there's a reputation of, for Vanderbilt that if you come to Vanderbilt, they're going to develop you. You don't have to go out of high school uh, to develop and be ready to play in the big leagues once you leave Vanderbilt. Willie, one more here. I want to switch right back over to football. I know we started with football, but in heading into this 10-game SEC slate, it's a little bit mixed up. You get Georgia for the last game, and then Tennessee, obviously, you know, there Thanksgiving again, and some Tennessee fans didn't like that. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be played there. As a game, uh, I guess, wins prediction here, Willie, how many potential wins do you think Vanderbilt could get? Not that they will get, but what are the, the few games that you think, hey, they, they, could, they could snatch that game? I think – I think what we're going to see is a lot of unpredictability. I think there will be some times where a team's roster, and it could be Vanderbilt's roster, but it could be the team that they're playing, is compromised in some way, shape, or form with the virus. It's hard to envision that everything goes perfect and everybody has smooth sailing. I I think it's – and I'm just – I'm knocking on wood because I'm really glad that they're trying to play, but you have to foresee some hurdles there. And that could impact, you know, what you try to do in terms of predict, uh, you know, the over-under. You can probably go to plenty of websites and get an over-under on every team, and Vanderbilt's probably around one and a half in terms of wins in 10 league games. But the, the thing I hope happens is when you come in and you run the spread offense, if you can find the right personnel, I think of Ole Miss, the first year that Hugh Freeze got there, mm-hmm. they were at the bottom of the heap. Nobody expected anything. And they immediately with that spread offense found a few talented guys and they, you know, they had something going there. I'm hoping that they can create that. Uh, just the ability in college football to use the space on the field. If you have guys that, that pick it up quick, and hopefully they find a quarterback, then they can be competitive. If that doesn't happen, then it's really hard for, for me to foresee them winning more than a couple of games in this 10 game schedule. But I'm hoping they become a tough out. It's a little bit like basketball last year. I think the expectations were very low going in. Uh, I think if Aaron Neesmith had stayed healthy and they'd had a little more luck with injuries, I think the basketball team would have been way better than we thought they were going to be. They they were going to be a very tough out. And as it turned out, they were decimated by injuries and still played with a a toughness and a competitiveness that I liked. So, So that's what I'm hoping to see from the football program. Now, you know, the, the patience is probably dwindling from a lot of people. So we'll see if it's good enough at the end of the season. But you, you have to, at the end of the year, have a feeling that it's going, the arrow is pointed in the right direction. That, that's my biggest hope and expectation. And we will see, you know, we know Vanderbilt fans are, are certainly looking forward to the beginning of the season four weeks away. We had Austin P uh, last night with the start of the football season. Jeremiah Oatesfall, you know, the Nashville native played really well there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you watched that, Willie. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Willie, for taking the time. And, uh, you know, good luck with the Preds. I know their season is over, but, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the next season. But thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me on. Glad you guys were cranking it up. I remember, Billy, I don't know how many years ago it was that I came on your show. It's got to be, what, four, five, six years now. Yeah. for me. So I'm really glad to see that you, you're developing and Let's all stay safe and hope for a really good sports season. I hope that there's as many games to cover as there possibly can be. Hopefully, Willie. Thank you so much for the kind words, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much. Yep. All right. Willie Donick, he is the man, uh, the myth, the legend. You know, I've been listening to him ever since 
fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade with George Plaster, you know, with the sports zone there, Will, with the, I know you're a Mount Juliet guy, but, you know, Plaster and Donick, they were the two, mm-hmm. they were the dynamic duo there. Uh, I guess you were probably in high school, you know, when you when you uh, probably checked them out. But again, he he's a great guy. He's been in Nashville all his life. Uh, I, I, he was born in New York, but he, he he's later in his life, you know, being at Vanderbilt and then now with the sports media, he he's been a Vanderbilt guy for a while. And it, it uh, that that was awesome to be able to get him on. Yeah, also awesome to hear kind of the different perspective with him having been a part of two separate. Uh, Commodore programs kind of back in that 90s era that we you know don't really discuss that much um, it's really awesome to get his perspective uh, on different coaching the the status of the programs and and everything associated with that no doubt yeah and, and especially with football you know coming up here four weeks Willie Donick has been a guy that he's been usually positive about the football program but Will I mean we've talked about it a lot it's it's very hard to be positive about this season <laughs> Yeah, like it's, it's, yeah it's, 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 it sounds bad to say not positive. Um, I think more realistic uh, is probably a better word because I don't think it's coming from a yeah. negative status of, you know, we're we're sitting here saying that the program's in a yeah. horrendous spot. But there are only probably three or four years that, that I can even remember all during the Franklin era and possibly that 2008 run with Bobby Johnson where you could look at this schedule and say – we're in a really good spot. I mean, we're going to be outmatched yeah. nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 games. Uh, so it's more of a realistic ex- expectation um, and just not wanting fans to look at that final regular season record or whether it's one and nine, two and eight, three and seven, oh and 10 mm-hmm. and, and taking that to mean that the program's taken a gigantic step back when all actuality is, you know, it, it's, it's just a tough, tough situation that, that Vanderbilt finds itself in with this schedule. Yeah, and Adam Sparks said it. You know, he said it last week on the podcast. A two and eight season would be what four and eight. You know, potentially in a regular five and season. seven. Yep. Yeah, five and seven. So the the correlation there is is a huge difference, and it's I mean it's a ten game SEC season for a school like Vanderbilt. You know, that's it's going to be tough for Ole Miss. It's going to be tough for Missouri. It's going to be tough for Kentucky. It's going to be tough for everyone. You know, Alabama probably you know is isn't heading in here with the usual expectations. So. A lot tougher for everyone. I, I, I like it. You know, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun season. I know a lot of teams are going to have, you know, uh, students in the fa- in the stands. So, well, I mean, w- you know, that's what we love to see, you know, but, uh, you know, basketball, obviously, uh, as Willie mentioned, hopefully will they'll find a, a unique way in Memorial Gym, to get as many fans as possible in there with COVID still going on. So, again, it was it was always fun to get to get Willie Willie Donick back on, you know, text him today and, and, and he's able to join us so again with the predators out of season he's always free will that's it for the door report episode 33 again it's always always a pleasure to have a guest like willie donick being a vanderbilt athlete you've been listening to episode 33 of the door report presented by alaco hardwood flooring